Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved. Good, good, good to be with you. I pray that you're well. I'm happy that we can be together on, on the Station of the Cross and LifeSite News. It's, it's still, I keep saying it, it's such a gift. You know, I don't get over things easily. I'll never get over the fact that God brought me from darkness to light, um, from death to life, first as an evangelical Protestant when I didn't think there was any more this side of heaven, and then to the fullness of all he has given on earth, which is his one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And I've said it before, no one, no one has more riches um, and grace and means to heaven than a Catholic. Nobody, the Catholic Church, is not a Christian denomination it is the church Christ founded. The church Christ founded. Uh, we met some people in Missouri over the weekend, and um, I asked the couple if the, the gentleman was, they came over to our table, they were so excited to see two nuns, they said, we, we haven't seen them in, I don't know how many years, 20, 40 years. And um, we were talking a while, and I said, are you Catholic? And he said, well... I grew up Catholic, but I, I'm just a Christian now. My heart absolutely sunk. My heart absolutely sunk. He's not anti-Catholic, uh, but somehow he got into the Protestant world with his wife, and, and they're wonderful people. They're missionaries. They love God, but I'm just a Christian. Though even the way he said it uh, betrays, in a sense, shows an an understanding that uh, he's just a Christian. Who that is Catholic would ever say, I'm just a Catholic? He would never have said that when he was Catholic. I'm just a Catholic. To be a Catholic and just a Catholic is to be everything, to have everything God has given this side of heaven. And for him to say to me, he could have said, no, I'm a Christian. And, you know, with all the misunderstanding that contains, but he didn't. He said, no, I'm just a Christian. Just so sad. So, so sad. Um, little sheep out there, if you've left the Catholic Church, it's because you didn't know what the Catholic Church was. No one could believe that the Eucharist is truly Christ, present with us as he was on earth, now in his glorified body, body, soul, body, blood, soul, and divinity, and leave. To leave the Catholic Church is to leave Christ. Um, And many people say, well, I didn't have a quote-unquote, personal relationship with Jesus Christ until I left the Catholic Church and became Protestant. Well, for all of that, I say, blessed be God that you finally understand that God loves us and wants Him to know, wants us to know Him. Um, but don't stop seeking, because if you know Him all the way, you will be Catholic again. And you'll be Catholic now for the first time. Truly Catholic. So, another thing you hear from so many people is, I'm Catholic, um, and if you say, well, uh, you believe in purgatory, or you uh, you understand what the Eucharist is, or um, um, devotion to Mary, or whatever it is, and they say, well, 
uh, no, I, I don't. I don't believe the church is teaching on contraception or abortion. But, but we're Catholic. We're Catholic, and and they're not. They're not. If you are, call yourself a Catholic, you could have been baptized Catholic, but you do not believe in one point that the church teaches as doctrine, as infallible doctrine, to be lived. You don't have to understand it all. You don't have to be a scholar. Maybe you've never learned why you believe what you believe. But if you turn from it, you are not a Catholic. Well, we're Catholic. We just don't. It's too hard. The church is teaching on contraception. We don't believe it. You're not Catholic, and you're not on your way to heaven. You need to know that. This is not a do-it-yourself cafeteria. Um, it is not. It is the, the if, if in, in the Hebrew days, in the, with the people of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob prior to Christ, who brought Christ to us, um, if any Jewish person said, I don't believe, well, as they did in Moses' day, who's Moses? Why should he be the only one to offer uh, this and to do that? Why should he be the only one? And so they joined in and did what they wanted, and they were put to death. They were put to death. Moses' sister Miriam became a leper. It was The consequences are severe, because to go against what God has said is to go against God. Well, I'm not going against God. Someone would say, I'm going against his church. No, if it's his church, it is what God has given us. Yes, so... I bet some of you have lots of questions, and you may call in with anything on your heart. Um, uh, and the toll-free number to call or text, and we'll take your calls right after the first break, the toll-free number one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, 511 5483 or email at mother at the Um I said last week we were going to start an exciting new topic on Monday, but Monday was yesterday, and I told you all about our trip to Missouri yesterday and the focus of our talks on the education of children, Mary's way, and the, the, emphasizing the fact that it's not necessarily um, homeschooling, but it is the education of your children. You are responsible regardless of where you send them. You are responsible for what they learn every day and teaching them the faith. And for the whole life is an education at home, how you live out the faith, how you talk, what you say, what you don't say, what you do, what you don't do. It's an education as they follow your example, not as they follow your words. Your words will be a contradiction if your life does not live what you teach. So this may not be an exciting topic to you, but it is to me, because it's the church's teaching, and it's on modesty. And uh, some of you are going to say, oh, no, not that again, not that again. Yes, because I tell you what, I think I mentioned this yesterday, um, what I saw in the way of dress uh, in Missouri was, I tell you, to me, shocking, shocking. I, I, I'm here in Tulsa, you think it's the basically the same culture, and I guess basically it is, but, and everyone doesn't dress wonderfully for church in Tulsa, especially if they don't go to the Latin Mass, but what I witnessed at the Novus Ordo Mass in Missouri is, was shocking to me 
unbelievable immodesty, nakedness, just unbelievable. You'd think that everyone was stopping off at Mass before they went on to the beach. Because if they went on to the beach, they probably wouldn't have had to change some of them. It's amazing to me. It is amazing. Modesty has to do with a lot more than dress. And it's not a matter for women alone. It's for men and women. I have a wonderful article that we'll never get through today, but I'd like to begin it. It is from the Fish Eaters website. Is that funny or not? Fisheaters.com is the name of the Catholic website. Fish Eaters, one word, Fish Eaters. And um, I pulled this down from that website. And a couple of weeks ago, I started it. And we only got through a few paragraphs And then I'm picking it up today. I'll start from the beginning. Um, Beloved, uh, regardless of what you think is proper dress, no matter how you do dress, it might be fine. And even if it's not fine, according to popes and church teaching, you're still going to make your choice before God. I've had a priest call me because there's a woman who comes to Mass every morning in a short tennis skirt right to the level of her panties and a low-cut, low, loose-hanging tank top. And he said, could you help me? Could you do something? And we did. But And she was very offended. And she said, it's a Catholic. She said, what's, what's the problem? Uh, and if I tell her that there's men there and they do have a problem, um, um, she thinks it's indeed their problem, not hers. We talked for a long time, and for the next few days, she came. I said, keep a skirt, because she goes to tennis right after Mass. She dresses for tennis. And so I said, keep a, a skirt in the car. Just put it over your tennis outfit when you come in for Mass. Just do that, and take it off again when you play tennis. Well, she did it for a few days, but that was the end of it, and she's not interested. She's not interested in people's quote-unquote problems. Hang-ups, if they don't, if they have a problem with short skirts, you know, there's nothing wrong with it as far as she sees. I explained to her um, uh, that we're responsible for our brothers, our sisters, um, to not cause scandal, to not cause temptation. And if anyone is scandalized or tempted, it's simply their problem. It has nothing to do with her. And as far as the church goes, she's Catholic. She receives the Eucharist, but she just doesn't go for it. She doesn't agree. You see, it's so, when I hear someone like that, I do get angry inside. I do get angry inside. I don't get angry verbally at them, but I get angry inside because um, they don't know who God is. They don't know who God is. They don't know his holiness. Uh, They don't know the church, which is his body. They don't understand authority. They don't know who they are. And I can't judge their heart before God, um, but I, I sure know that they are um, they're in sin because they could care less what anybody else thinks, even if it hurts other people. They could care less. That's not love for God. How do you love your brother? How do you love, uh, John wrote, how do you love God whom you haven't seen if you don't love your brother whom you have seen. I do love my brother. I just don't, this, this dress idea, this modesty is, is just garbage to me. Well, let it be garbage to you. 
but it's not garbage to others. And you cannot love others, your brother, uh, your brothers, uh, especially when they come to you and they ask you and they tell you why and they beg you. Nope. We gave her writings. The priest printed out things for me to give her. She wasn't interested. It's absolutely tragic. She should not be going to church. She should not be receiving the Eucharist. It's tragic, I tell you. Modesty is, is really a matter of the heart. It's not a matter of outward appearance. The outward appearance is what reflects the heart. Somebody could be a very loving person and be extremely immodest because they are ignorant of how it affects other people. And they are ignorant of what God wants of us. So I'm going to begin this article, beloved, and I've talked for at least half our uh, our talk time, so it won't be too long before the break, but I'd like to read this uh, just a little bit each day to you. And it begins with the author quoting uh, Ecclesiasticus, also known as Sirach, which I never read until I became Catholic. Those seven books are heaven. There's, I can't believe I missed seven books of scripture for 18 years as a Protestant. They are marvelous books. Sirach says, chapter 19, a man is known by his look. Here we say you can't tell a book by its cover. Um, uh, That's not so. Um, A man is known by his look, and a wise man, when thou meetest him, is known by his countenance. The attire of the body and the laughter of the teeth and the gait of the man show what he is. That's a quote from scripture. Infallible scripture. The scripture that God gave. Another quote from Paul's letter to Timothy. In like manner, women also in decent apparel, adorning themselves with modesty and sobriety, not with plaited hair or gold or pearls or costly attire, but as it becometh women professing godliness with good works. Modesty, this author goes on to say, modesty like countenance, humility and meekness is annexed to the cardinal virtue of temperance. That's from the Book of Wisdom, Wisdom Chapter 8 temperance, and has the reigning in of human passions as its goal. Modesty aims to conform the exterior of man, his clothing, way of talking, his bearing, to the interior sense of humility that all Christians should have. Oh, beloved, we you've got so many... Um, fires to put out, so many things on your mind, so many responsibilities, so many worries, children to raise, a spouse to love, uh, work, uh, so many things in your life. You say, you know, this is a little extra. You know, modesty, it's, it, I, can, I can put that one on the shelf for a while and not worry about it. But you see, when, when we need to be in the world and not of it, this is the way to be in the world and not of it, by our dress, by our countenance, by our speech, uh, by how we conduct ourselves. This is how to be in the world and not of it, because you'll be different. You'll be different from the world, and they're going to say to you, how could you be so calm? Or how 
you know, can you dress like that? It's so hot outside. You've got sleeves on, you know, and you're going to tell them, I'm doing it for Jesus. It's what Jesus wishes for modesty. I'll continue. Now, because he lives in a fallen state, man is to be clothed. It is more than a matter of our need for, of protection from the elements, as the very first book of the Bible reveals. Um, and I will, you know what, I was going to skip all this. I did the first time I started to read it. I'm not going to skip it now, because we're, we're not on a train. If Jesus comes before we finish reading this, well, okay, you can blame me for reading all the scripture. But the first passage that is referred to here is Genesis chapter 3, only in part. Quote, and the woman saw that the tree, with, you know this story, but it, this is how a modesty began. And the woman saw that the tree was good to eat and fair to the eyes and delightful to behold And she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave to her husband who did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened. And when they perceived themselves to be naked, they sewed together fig leaves and made themselves aprons. They were guilty. They knew it right away. Prior to that, they lived as God created them. Um, in their birthday suits, their skin, there was no clothing. But now they turned from God and they were filled with guilt. And the Lord God said to the woman, Why hast thou done this? And she answered, The serpent deceived me, and I did eat. See, passing the blame all the time. I read an article yesterday that priests will be forced or uh, someone else will be forced to, oh, I know what it was. It was an article where, where um, certain children are forced by their parents to have abortions. Well, um, I want to tell all of you, including young children, you never will be forced to give in to sin. You may have to choose your life instead, as um, um, many saints have done, Maria Goretti, many saints have done that. Cho- choose it, chose their their life before God, they'd rather die than give in to sin, than murder. Any young lady that's being forced to have an abortion is being forced to murder a child. <clears throat> you never have to say, my parents forced me. You can scream, you can run. If they strap you down on the table by force, you you really can't do anything about that. But that's a rare instance. Your parents can inter- they can order you around. They can do what they want. You do not ever need to obey sin. No one needs to obey sin. Not your husband if he forces you for an abortion. Not your wife if she forces you to have a, a vasectomy. Not parents. Nobody can force you to sin. Nobody. And if they take you by force and knock you out unconscious and give you an injection or strap you to the table, you have not sinned. You have not sinned. You had no control. But never say yes to sin. Well, my parents will throw me out of the house. Let them. Better that your parents throw you out of the house than you murder a child. 
your child. Who will have the greater fault, your parents or you? Well, I'm not responsible because my parents will throw me out. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. We have to make decisions. No one forces us to sin. A husband says to his wife, if you don't have an abortion, I'm leaving you. And she already has six children. What does she do? Does she murder so that her husband won't leave her? Absolutely not. God will always provide. He will always provide when we make the right decisions. Okay. The Lord God said to the serpent, because thou hast done this thing, thou art cursed among all cattle and beasts of the earth. Upon thy breast shalt thou go, and earth, uh, earth shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. I will put enmities, strife, war, between thee and the woman, and thy seed and her seed, she shall crush thy head, and thou shalt lie in wait for her heel. To the woman also he said, I will multiply thy sorrows, and thy conceptions in sorrow shalt thou bring forth children, and thou shalt be under thy husband's power, and he shall have dominion over thee. And to Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened to the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldst not eat, cursed is the earth in thy work. With labor and toil shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herbs of the earth. And in the sweat of thy face shall thou eat bread, till thou return to the earth, out of which thou wast taken. For dust thou art, dust thou art, and into dust thou shalt return. And Adam called the name of the wife, his wife, Eve, because she was the mother of all the living. That's what Eve means, the mother of all the living. And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skin and clothed him. One moment. God made Adam and Eve perfect and perfectly harmonious with himself and with each other. Then they sinned and saw themselves as they were, fallen, separated from God and from each other. Having lost the grace with which they were created, they began to retreat into their own egos and blame each other. Did you hear that? When you blame your husband, you're retreating into your own ego. When you blame your wife, you're retreating into your own ego. Did Jesus blame us for his death? We put him to death. He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. They began to retreat into their own egos and blame each other, even God, for their sins. The serpent deceived me. The woman you sent me deceived me. If you hadn't sent her to me, it's your fault, God. If you hadn't sent her to me, I wouldn't be in this mess. 
it's the woman's fault, but you gave her to me. It's your fault, God. The original harmony of the garden broken. Adam and Eve no longer completed the other perfectly per God's design, but were now in felt need of each other. See, that is an awful situation. Before they walked with each other in harmony and harmony with God, Adam didn't need Eve to complete him. Eve didn't need Adam to complete her. They were to be fruitful and multiply. Yes, God made them to to multiply and fill the earth indeed. But Eve's security, her needs were not to be met in Adam or the reverse because they were complete, complete in God. Now they were now in felt need of each other, a need they tried to fill by grasping the other through their concupiscence and brokenness. That's what married couples do. They try to demand from their spouse what they need, what their spouse should give them for their fulfillment. It'll never work. No human being can give you what God alone can give you. No human being. If you are walking with God, if you are a man or woman of prayer, if you are living your faith, If you are reading the scriptures, the church fathers, the saints, you'll know who you are and your whole life will imitate God's life who came not to be loved, but to love. There's the music for our break, beloved. Call in with anything on your heart. 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. Did you know that without even saying a word, you can share with others that Catholic Radio is available? By placing our free bumper magnet on your car, you can let everyone on the road know that they can tune in to learn more about Christ and His Church. We offer free bumper magnets to promote Catholic Radio so others will come to know our Lord through listening. For your free bumper magnets, click the Promote tab at the top of our website, thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Then click the Promote tab at the top of our website. Thank you for sharing Catholic Radio wherever your journeys take you. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every Form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. 
Tune in weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern for Sermons for Everyday Living, a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit thestationofthecross.com for details. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live. I'm so happy to be with you, and we're going to take your calls. We have a whole half hour to ourselves. The lines are wide open. Feel free to call in toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or text at that number as well, or um, email, if you wish, at mother at the station of the cross.com. We had a call off the line from Emilio um, in Framingham, And he says there was a woman in his parish who divorced and remarried. She was just made the head of the CCD program in his parish. Would Mother provide some guidance as to how to bring this up with the priest? Well, Matthew chapter 18 really has a plan of um, approach for us. When we see our brother sin, hold on, please. When we see our brother sin, um, we need to go to him directly. And if he won't repent and change, then we bring a witness. And if that doesn't work, then we take it to the church. So in this case, you need to be brave, Emilio. But um, if there's a woman in your parish who divorced and remarried, and again, um, she's not married in the Catholic Church, Her marriage is not a sacrament. She's living in adultery, that sort of thing. Um, She cannot be the head of the CCP program in the parish. Now, I don't know who knows that. I don't know if the priest knows it. If the priest knows it and she's living in sin, shame on him. She should not be receiving the Eucharist. She 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 should be, if she comes up to receive the Eucharist and the priest knows that she's divorced and remarried, living with a man in adultery now, um, the priest should make sure she does not receive the Eucharist. So um, the first thing I would do is to go to the woman directly. I know that takes courage. That's God's plan, to love one another that way. So, Amelia, it, it's to go to the woman in private. Um, if if she's married, you can go to her with her husband. You know, she could have her husband with her. They're not going to like what you say, but you can say, you know, um, uh, your life is your own before God, but you, <clears throat> if, if, to, to be divorced and remarried without an annulment uh, is to, according to the church's teaching, to live in a state of adultery, which is a state of mortal sin. Um, anyone in mortal sin may, must not receive the Eucharist, but certainly must not head a CCD program, the church. Now, they may lash out at you. You're being judgmental. Who are you to tell them? All of that. Say, you know, out of love, I need to tell you, because if you are in mortal sin, you need help. You need to get back on the road and not affect others' lives. And if they curse you out and won't accept it, then you go to the priest. You can take somebody else with you if you want. 
but you go to the priest and say, I, I'm, and you tell her you're going to go to the priest. You don't go without telling her. Um, and so you say, you know, if, if you won't respond in any other way, I'll take it to our priest. And you, and the woman could say, he knows, he knows. Just let, let the conversation end and go to the priest. And, and you tell the priest, Father, I've spoken to the woman. Um, she's living in adultery. Uh, someone in mortal sin should not be heading the CCD program of our church uh, and should not receive, be receiving the Eucharist. And see what your priest says. Don't go to him angry. Uh, don't go all miffed. Uh, but go with a broken heart and as a sheep. And see what the priest, the priest says, well, I'll take care of it. Say, Father, thank you very much. Let it go. If she continues to be the CCC director, um, I think you need to find another parish. I think you need to find another parish. And I think you need to tell the parents of the children in that class that their a program director is living in adultery. And le- I would do that. I would do that. Because... She should not be allowed to continue. We have a text from someone who calls in anonymously or who writes anonymously. <clears throat> and he says, Hello, Mother. Is it a mortal sin for a spouse to withhold sex from her spouse? And what does one do when the other spouse chooses to be on birth control without the opinion of the other spouse? He writes, I am the husband and been married to a wife that has been doing both of these things in our marriage for over 12 years. I am ready to leave. I cannot take this any longer. Please respond to my message in private or over the air, I'm sure your response will help others in the same situation. God bless. Oh, my dear brother, this is very difficult. Your wife is in an awful state. Uh, yes, she's, she's in a sinful state. I don't know why. I don't know what the problem is. Um, <clears throat> but um, there might be more to this story than you know, than this, this husband has said. But with the little information you've given me, I don't know why that's happening with your wife. Um, uh, I don't know why. I could uh, guess a number of things. But the fact is, um, I don't know if you have children. There's so little information here uh, of why, of even why she's withholding from you. Um, why she's on birth control, I can understand many women are stressed out and they simply can't bear the thought of having another children. That's wrong, but there's a reason there. But if she's on birth control and withholding from you, I don't know what the problem is, but there are, there are problems. I don't know if you have children. So if you have children, if it's a family, if it's a wife who simply doesn't want to live with you and you don't have children, I think, you, you know, I don't know if you were married in the Catholic Church. There's so many things I don't know. But if you're a family, my thought, my dear brother, as awful as this sounds, is that you live as long as it takes, even as the rest of your life, 
in a celibate life. That's what I say. You don't leave your wife for this. Um, if she has problems and you can't work them out, uh, they need to be worked out. But short of that, you should not be intimate with her. If she is taking birth control pills, you may not be intimate with her because you both will be committing most likely abortion. That's the birth control pill in most instances is abortifacient. And you do not want to have intimate relationship with your wife if and while she's taking the pill. You're going to need to live as a heroic man and abstain from sexual relations, even with your wife. It's the only solution, not to leave her to please yourself, but to live as a hero, for better or worse, till death do you part. Um, If there's anything else to this, dear one, call in or write a further text or email so I could understand. Okay, God bless you. We'll be right back, beloved. The Station of the Cross offers online tutorials to help you get the most out of your iCatholic radio app. You'll be introduced to our latest features and the opportunities available for not only listening to our live stream, but also to a variety of podcasts of our shows, prayers, and special presentations. For these tutorials and more, click on the iCatholic radio link located on the Stations page of our website, thestationofthecross.com. Not sailing as much as you used to? If you have a boat that you'd like to get rid of, consider donating it to the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. This is not just one of the many ways you can support our programming and evangelization efforts, but it's one of the best ways. Through this method, many listeners can give more than they normally could as check, cash, credit card, or EFT. Even if your boat doesn't run anymore, we'd still love to receive it. By donating an unwanted vehicle to the Station of the Cross, you'll be supporting everything you love about Catholic Radio while quickly taking care of your personal business. For more information, visit thestationofthecross.com or call 1-866-628-CARS. That's thestationofthecross.com or 1-866-628-2277. Thank you for helping us proclaim the gospel message through the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. This is Father Jacek Mazur. Please join me in a prayer to St. Oliver Plunkett, glorious martyr St. Oliver, who freely gave your life for your faith. Help us also to be strong in our faith. May we be loyal like you to the See of Peter. By your intercession and example, may all hatred and bitterness be banished from the hearts of men and women. May the peace of Christ reign in our hearts, as it did in yours, even at the moment of your death. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved. Good to be with you. And we just have a little note uh, from um, Manuel on uh, Facebook. 
um, he says, often one comes out of confession and it's like walking through a minefield in the world. Temptation is all around us. Manuel, I, I that's a pretty good description. It, it's a pretty good description. Um, you know, the, the purer we stay, uh, the more we, we see the, the debauchery and the fallenness and the sin around us. Yeah, did you ever come across, I hate to say the word, but roaches, those bugs? And if you come into a room and there's roaches in a house, uh, you turn the light on and they're all over the place. But as soon as they see the light, they scatter. It's the same way with our sin. You know, without the light of Christ, temptation and sin is all over the place. With the light of Christ, uh, everything scatters from us. Um, it, there's, a, there's a bit of a solution to that, Emmanuel. Um, and not a total solution, because as long as we're alive, we'll always have the, um, uh, the fruit of our fallenness, which is concupiscence, which is uh, being tempted to sin. We don't have to sin, but we're being tempted all the time. We're being drawn to sin. And if we, the more often we go to confession, if we come, go to confession once a year or every few years or uh, a few times a year, it's going to be very difficult to not sin. But if we go to confession even weekly, I'm not saying you should, there's no shoulds here. It's, it's really as often as you can. And if you go to confession, no less, I would say, to suggest to anybody, no less than once a month. Um, you're dealing with your sins. You're making reparation all the time. And you're, you're going to become a purer soul. You give in less and less and less. Someone once said that self will never cast out self. The flesh will never get rid of flesh. It will always want to drag you into sin. Always. And if your flesh doesn't do a job on its own, uh, the demons will. They will. They know our, our soft points. They will. So bless you that you go to confession. That's a good thing. And if you're walking through a minefield in the world, temptation all around, <clears throat> that's going to show you, my, my dear brother, that you are on God's side because you don't want it. But you're also uh, striving to live a more pure and holy life. You see, <clears throat> I'm not a saint. I'm not pure and holy. But I walk through the world and I'm not tempted. I I just uh, talked about at the beginning of this program and yesterday the the utter immodesty in the world. Women naked, men naked, uh, language, uh, awful stuff. Nothing tempts me. It it makes me ill inside because I know these people. Number one. Are they offending God? God has to answer that one. But they are, they don't love God. They are poor souls who need such attention that they would even walk around half naked. It is such a, it's an illness. It's such a poverty of soul. So when I see these women, and sometimes men, um, I... I recoil because it's so awful, but my heart sinks and goes out to them, and, and I pray for them. That's what I do, but it doesn't, nothing in the world tempts me. 
not immodesty, not music, not, I mean, I'm not beyond being tempted. I won't say that. That's, that wouldn't be true. But walking through the world is, you are bombarded. But it, it's, it's um, for me, it's not a minefield because I, I, I just walk with God. I love God and refrain from sin, refrain from temptation. And one of the ways to grow uh, and help yourself not to be tempted is to 100% refrain from any sexual sin, including um, self-pleasure. You just completely must refrain from that. The second thing is to... um, to eat less and to eat well. In other words, not to feed your passions. Not to feed your passions. Uh, many people eat because it's a comfort to them. Uh, comfort food, they call it. And they, they put on 100 pounds because food is their go-to for emotional relief. And it's something to begin to deal with, to uh, to eat less, to refuse pleasures that you want at the moment. It may not only be uh, pleasures of the flesh. Um, It may be that you have a responsibility to watch the house, uh, to clean the house, to do something. And, uh, you know, let's say you're a housewife, but at a certain time in the afternoon, you just stop everything because you want to put on a certain soap opera. Are you sinning by watching that soap opera? You are. You are, because that soap opera, will. you are putting yourself in a position of potential sin. That soap opera will not shore you up for Christ, will not draw you to holiness, will only draw you to sin and degradation and debauchery, and, um, and uh, you will not be able to love your husband properly because you'll be angry at him that he doesn't love you like that man on the soap opera loves that woman. Now, I'm just making up a story, but these are not far-fetched. So when you're tempted to watch the soap opera, you say, get thee behind me, Satan. I'm not interested in giving in to you. I'm not interested. And you don't. You stay out of the living room or wherever your TV is. Stay out of the room if you're too tempted. Just stay out of the room. And if you, if you're, and, and attend to your housework. And if you say no, because I'm too tempted, um, go, get out of the house. Go for a walk. Go to the park and read a book. Do a good book, a holy book. Do something to flee the temptation. That's St. Paul's advice to young Timothy. Flee youthful lusts. And youthful lusts are not the only kind of lusts. Flee them. Flee them. Do what you have to do to flee it. Kill it. If a murderer came into your house and you could protect yourself, you know, by grabbing his gun or grabbing the knife or banging him over the head, you would do it. You have to deal that way with sin. You have to kill it. You have to flee from it. So, Manuel, you are right with the world, but my brother... You need to grow in holiness. We could never blame the world. We could never blame others the way Adam and Eve did. We need to accept that we are sinful. We are prone to temptation and sin. And the only way to have that temptation become less is to say no to sin. The more you say yes to it, 
the more you will be tempted and and weak. The more you say no to it, the more you will be strengthened for the next temptation. And some people say, well, I'm going to do this one thing, this one last time. You will not do it for one last time. Because one last time will increase your desire to do it another time, and another last time, and another last time. No, 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 no. You need to say no. You need to say no to the enemy of your soul and not give in to him. Okay. Um, We are uh, free of emails and texts. I think there's been a little problem if you've been emailing and you're not getting on the line. Um, Apparently there's a technical problem with some emails coming through. So be patient and, you know, we'll get to them later in the week. I pray if we don't get them on the line today, but certainly you can call in the lines. The phone lines are wide open, 1-877-511-5483. And uh, at any time you can call in. And until you do that, or unless you do that, we have another, um, oh, um, I don't know, seven minutes or so. And I'm going to um, continue to read where we were in modesty and right in the middle of Genesis chapter 3. And it's really what we're, we're really speaking about, Manuel, huh? That's where it all came from. To Adam, God said, because thou hast hearkened to the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree, whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldst, shouldst not eat, cursed is the earth in thy work. With labor and toil shalt thou eat thereof all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herbs of the earth. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return to the earth out of which thou wast taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return." And Adam called the name of his wife Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Eve is the mother of all the living, and the new Eve, who is the Blessed Virgin, is the mother of all all who are living in her son Christ, who is the second Adam. Eve is the mother of all the living in Christ. Okay, now let me just see where we are. Hold on one moment. Just want to make sure that I'm not missing um, any calls here. Why am I, why is this not doing it for me? Hold on a second. I know if you're on the radio, you don't know what I'm doing here. Okay, here we go. All right. God made Adam and Eve. I think I I already um, um, read part of this, but... Uh, Yes, I did read part of this. Um, Their relationship was tainted and shame filled them as their nakedness came to be a sign of their incompleteness and vulnerability and an inducement to lust. Sensing their isolation from each other and from God, they covered themselves with quickly fashioned aprons. Then God himself clothed them replacing those fig leaves, those fig leaf aprons with tunics. Um, The tunics made from the animals that God killed. There was no death before that. The price of their sin was death. 
animals needed to be killed in order for them to be clothed. That was the first sign that the wages, the payment of sin is death. Um, I'd like to go back just for a minute to, um, and I normally don't do this, but because we don't have emails and callers at the moment, um, I want to go back to uh, this anonymous text we had who of a man whose wife withholds uh, uh, sexually from him, and uh, they've been married over 12 years, um, and she's on birth control pills. And he says, I am ready to leave. I can't take this any longer. Well, again, I don't know the circumstances. I don't know if you were both Catholic when you married. I don't know if your wife is Catholic now. If she is, she's living in in grave sin. Um, But you marry till death do you part. If your wife is fighting being Catholic all the way and you don't have children and the two of you uh, separate, I I think that's legitimate. And then whether or not you're able to get an annulment, you need to apply for that. But it seems to me it was never a true marriage to begin with if she's on birth control pills and withholding herself from you. Um, I I can't judge that. but, um, But, dear one, there are people who marry again, till death, they're faithful, till death do they part. And maybe a week later, the wife is in an accident and becomes a paraplegic and maybe is not capable of the sexual act. What do you do? Do you leave her? I hope not. Do you remain celibate the rest of your life? Yes, you do. That's a cross God has given you, but a cross you need to bear out in love. There are many reasons why couples cannot come together. And there is no other choice but marital intimacy to satisfy sexual desires. So you need to live as any man who is not uh, married. You need to live a life, a celibate life. So if you say you can't take it anymore, it's because the focus is on you and not on what has to happen to help your wife. So that's another aspect of it, dear one. There's our ending music. Um, And um, uh, again, if you have emails, go ahead, and hopefully they'll come through tomorrow. Um, Love your spouse, love your husband, love your wife. It's the only way your children will feel love and come to know true love if they see the love between their mother and father, physically uh, hugging each other and uh, not controlling each other. God bless you. We'll be with you tomorrow.